Welcome to Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. The Mendocino County Courthouse is moving from where it's been since 1851. A new site selection committee is meeting. Reasons why and where it is going are the topic of this interview with Judge Dave Nelson today on Radio Curious. We began when I asked Judge Nelson, why do we need to move the courthouse? Our present courthouse is unsafe primarily and and very inefficient. Uh, It's also got uh, earthquake issues. um, But the main problem is that there's no way to bring prisoners in and out of the facility without having them walk right through public hallways. There's only one elevator in the facility. So the prisoners go up and down to court in the same elevators that the citizens uh, would, would be taking. But not at the same time. Well, they try to isolate them, but oftentimes an elevator will open up and it's filled with shackled prisoners as other litigants are are trying to get on the elevator or a judge who's just sentenced them, for instance. Has that happened to you? It's happened to me many times. Or that you end up in an elevator with people, the family members of somebody that you've just sentenced. It's, it's, not a good, uh, it's not a good situation. And there's also ADA compliance issues. The old courthouse part of the building is not ADA compliant. People who are in a wheelchair or need other access, they can't get up to those courtrooms, so we have to move cases down to courtrooms that are accessible to the elevator. So uh, it was identified as one of the uh, worst, most unsafe, and most inefficient courthouses on a statewide survey, and that's how we got on the list uh, to have have a new courthouse built by the state. So in terms of the time frame being on the list, what can we expect? Well, the list, I think they identified and set out the uh, priorities in late and there were uh, some 10 or 12 courthouses that they felt were just absolutely critical, and those are already in construction, essentially. We were in the second set of sites, and we were ranked in in late 08, and this process has been slowly going through uh, since that time uh, to where we were assigned a, a, a group by the Administrative Office of the Courts, which is the statewide organization that manages the courts, to to do this site selection and to build our courthouse, and we've been working with them now for about a year. The first step is to identify the new location. Even though architects for the new unidentified location have already been selected. Well, the first step was to determine what size courthouse was necessary, and they've already done those sorts of analyses. It's going to be a, a facility that houses nine courtrooms, they uh, would prefer to have that on a three-story courthouse. And courthouse construction in California has become pretty standardized because they're building a lot of courthouses and they're getting pretty good at figuring out how much space it takes and how to lay out courtrooms and other design features, especially the circulation issues in the courtroom. So that's already been kind of generally decided what what kind of square footage is needed and, and what size of a courthouse uh, the next step is site selection, and then once we have a site, the architects will design a courthouse on that site that fits the site and fits the community. Let's talk about the site selection. It'll be in Ukiah. I understand that there are two sites that are preferred over the others, but why don't you tell us about all of them? Well, the site selection process uh, happened really through the state people. They hired uh, real estate brokers from Santa Rosa, actually, to uh, to survey the whole greater Ukiah area and look for locations where, where they'd have at least four and a half acres. That was the minimum they felt they needed to build this courthouse because 
part of the plan it has to have 270 spaces for vehicle parking. So you need a big enough site to have the parking and the courthouse. So they looked all around the Ukiah Valley uh, for sites that were at least four and a half acres. And some of those, of course, are like out in the Walmart area and north of town on State Street. And the uh, general consensus was was that we wanted to have a a facility that was somewhere uh, located close enough to downtown to be accessible to the downtown. And um, so they identified 16 different sites, actually, and then the process moved from there to our advisory group, which had been set up, surveying those sites and then uh, going through a process to rank those sites. The advisory group is made up of whom? The advisory group was set up by the court with a consultation with the administrative office of the courts, and it's intended to represent the um, justice partners as well as the community members. So it has uh, members of the uh, county justice community, such as uh, the sheriff and uh, the public defender. It also has uh, community members. It has the Ukiah Chamber of Commerce has a representative, uh, and we had, uh, also have a representative of the local bar association, Pano Stevens. The city is represented by uh, one uh, person, Mari Roden, with uh, an alternate of Marianne Landis, and then the county is represented by John McCowan. So it represents the city, county, chamber of commerce, and the justice partners, and then also the court, of course. We have two judges on, on it with an alternate, and our court personnel, executive, and our court tech guy is on the committee, and then there are members of the AOC, the Administrative Office of the Courts, which is the state agency that's going to be building the thing. The judges that are on it are you and... Myself and Judge Mayfield, and Judge Henderson is the alternate. So he's there if uh, one of the uh, two of you cannot be. Actually, the way we've been working it is the alternates are there at the meetings also, and if there was ever a vote where the where there was a contested issue, I guess the alternates wouldn't have a vote, or they could vote for a, a regular member if he couldn't be there. But really, the both the city... Um, um, member and the alternate have attended, and the same for the other other people who are alternates. So the guidelines that go into selecting the uh, new location, what are they? The state has site selection criteria that they use in every community, and it's a kind of an interesting objective, quote, objective process they use, but they, they have a whole number of criteria that include, um, you know, the site area, site coverage, um, location preferences with respect to adjacencies to other justice partners like district attorney, public defender. There's um, site features involving sustainability, a neighborhood character, traffic and transportation, local planning requirements, uh, budget issues, environmental issues, physical issues, geotechnical conditions, a bunch of different things that uh, we rate the sites based on those criteria, either preferred acceptable or non-preferred, they get a certain number of points. And, and that's how the rating system goes in terms of choosing between preferred sites. And uh, as we rank the two sites that we uh, picked as our two preferred sites, they're really quite close in terms of the numbers on that objective analysis. Well, tell us about the two sites. The two sites we've identified that uh, were preferred by the public advisory group and that the uh, AOC is proceeding on one of them is we call the depot site. It's the railroad depot, the old Ukiah Railroad Depot. And many people don't realize it, but if you go down there, there's a very large field, about 10 acres, uh, I think it is, uh, adjacent to that old railroad depot that is sat, sat unused for many years. It's owned by the North Coast Railroad Authority, but they have already 
uh, entered into a, an agreement to sell it to the city of Ukiah, who would then uh, sell it to another brownfields uh, developer who would clean it up and then sell it to the state. That's the idea. But there's room for a courthouse there, and related uh, justice partners uh, would be able to locate there. There's plenty of room. Uh, it's a little uh, farther from the downtown than the other site we identified, which that site uh, we're calling the library site. It's the it's the Ukiah public parking lot down adjacent to the library. But the site would involve from Perkins Street over to Smith Street. It includes the city uh, parking lot, and it includes the buildings right on Perkins Street, and then it also includes buildings on Smith Street between Mason and Main. And the probation office. The probation office sits right on the, yeah, the city parking lot. You mentioned um, brownfields and cleanup. Does that imply that there are toxic issues on the first site? The railroad depot does have cleanup issues, and that's uh, one of the concerns that the city has been working to address. Uh, they, they've always known that there were those issues. I think historically Southern Pacific was supposed to clean those up when that land transferred to the North Coast Railroad Authority. It's on a list to do, but it never got done. Uh, the brownfields people are people who buy that sort of property, clean them up, and then sell them. That's, that's what they do. And they have already assessed the site and don't feel that there are particularly difficult issues of cleanup, but there are cleanup issues because it was an old railroad depot for many years. So it's diesel and other petroleum products that are there that have seeped into the ground. That would be the concern, right. So we have two sites. Are there other sites that are less preferred or that are excluded? There's no sites that are excluded. There were 16 sites identified, and the way they work is they pick out their two preferred sites, and then those sites move through the process. If for some reason one or both don't work out, then they'll be looking back to other sites. And so nothing is excluded. The other uh, sites that have been suggested that were a little farther out, including the out at Brush Street and some others on the periphery, are not excluded. Uh, they're just not preferred at this point. And they, these two sites will proceed through a, another process through the state, which involves uh, doing appraisals on them and then presenting uh, them to the Public Works Board. The state won't buy property until it's been approved by the Public Works Board, and that's the next step in the process with these two sites. So when you say they don't work out, it could be a problem with the Public Works Board or anything else. What does the Public Works Board look at? Their role, I think, is to protect the state from purchasing properties that are going to cause them problems, basically. So they're looking to make sure that there's not some liability issues that are going to come up or other issues that are going to make it a bad investment for the state. Are you or the committee that you're on aware of any problems on either of the two preferred sites? We're not really. The The only real issue is the uh, that we know of is the cleanup uh, issues uh, on the railroad site, uh, but the city hopes to be able to address those before any transfer to the state. Uh, but otherwise, there is a, an environmental process, of course, that happens. Once it gets through the Public Works Board and they identify a preferred site, if we pick one or the other of those two sites, then there has to be CEQA compliance and other kinds of environmental review. And, of course, the public has a chance to weigh in at that time. In terms of selecting a site of the two preferred or uh, one that's not of those two, uh, does the public have any say or any opportunity to present a point of view? Well, the public can certainly have their um, input through their elected representatives. As I said, uh, Supervisor McCown is the county's representative 
uh, Mari Roden is the city's representative, along with Marianne Landis. And then there are also the people who represent some of the justice partners, Sheriff Allman and public defender Linda Thompson. Her alternate is Jim Brown, the probation officer. And Pano Stevens, uh, on behalf of the bar, so there are, and myself and Judge Mayfield, people are certainly welcome to express their preferences. And I'm sure uh, it'll, it'll, it's a public issue, obviously. It's really one of the most important public decisions we'll make in this community, probably for the foreseeable future. So we are open to, to input. Uh, the bottom line here, however, is that the state makes the decision in consultation with us. And so that's why they have the Public Works Board and all those people involved to make sure that they're making a good investment uh, when they purchase the site. In this edition of Radio Curious, we're visiting with Judge David Nelson of the Mendocino County Superior Court, and we're talking about the process for identifying a new location for the Mendocino County Courthouse, which has, uh, uh, for the history of the county, been where it is at the corner of State and Perkins since the county became incorporated in uh, 1851. Is that right? That's right. The courthouse has always been the heart of the of Ukiah, much less the the heart of the county. I think the distances on Highway 101 North are judged uh, by their distance from the courthouse, for instance. So it's, the courthouse has always been the center. It's been through some different changes. The last iteration in the 50s, the add-on, people are not real happy with the kind of neo-fascist architecture some have described. But the new courthouse will be designed and built um, by the design firm that's been picked as Skidmore, Owings, and Merrill, who is an internationally recognized design firm. They're building a couple of the other courthouses around California, but they were particularly interested in working on what they call a small courthouse. It seems like a big courthouse to us, but to them, this is going to be a small courthouse. Well, compared to Los Angeles, where they have several hundred courtrooms. Right. And they're committed to designing a a facility that reflects the community's needs in terms of sustainability and fitting the uh, environment that, that it's in and I think they're excited to be involved in the project. They're still they're negotiating the details of their contract with the state right now. But once we have two sites, they'll get more involved in, in designing and helping us figure out how to locate a courthouse on those sites. When you talk about a neo-fascist design, it makes me wonder what an old time, an old-fashioned fascist design would be. I'm, I may be quoting somebody else on that uh, description, but. The uh, the original courthouse on that site, which is now on the School Street side, is a beautiful, beautiful building, but they added on a kind of a square structure in the front that was functional but not particularly desirable. So a few minutes ago you mentioned that the final decision, the final site selection, will not be made by the committee uh, on which you sit. It will be made by the administrative office of the courts. Well, the final decision literally is made by the uh, um CEO, essentially, of the California courts, but uh, it's based on the recommendations of his staff, and his staff is on this committee with us. So they're working with us, and so far they've been very responsive. You know, we've been very happy with their—they just want to get us a, a courthouse built, basically. But they also want one that's acceptable to the public and acceptable to the state, so they're working with uh, interest groups in, in various ways. And, and they—I mean, it's— the bottom line is that the final decision is theirs, but they do it in consultation with us, and they really want to um, have a courthouse that everybody uh, locally is happy with and supports. Are there conflicts that you anticipate between what is acceptable to the public and what is acceptable to the state? 
I don't really expect any conflicts. Um, I don't. I was uh, concerned. The, the one thing is they, they're interested in a speedy process, I think, and and um, we are concerned that some there might be some issues that might take a little longer to resolve, and they would prefer no issues, of course. Be, and th- part of it is because this is funded through a bond issue. It's not out of general funds, and it's a, we, we're just lucky. The courts were lucky to negotiate a bond that's paid for out of court fees and court assessments. That's where the funding stream is, but we have this bond in place, and uh, it's it's specifically meant to build courthouses. The aging courthouses in the state were were a disaster and waiting to happen in many ways. And so that bond it, money is there. You never know in the future, given the state's finances, who might want to come raiding it, even though it supposedly cannot be spent for any other purpose. So in that sense, we want to keep moving uh, forward uh, expeditiously. When you say speedy and expeditiously, what's the time frame? The site selection process here is uh, is hoped to be completed by a fall of 2011, so that's about a year for the site selection process. And after that? After that comes a design phase, which is, I think, uh, another year, uh, to year, year to a year and a half. And then after that, the build-out. If everything went smoothly, the build-out is projected in 2015. That means finishing and moving in? That means uh, finishing, yes. Not necessarily moving in? Well... Do they go hand in hand? I think they go hand in hand. And once it's finished and since, you know, we're building on a location other than the old courthouse, we would move in and go to work. I mean, it's hard to believe that that'll all happen as it's scheduled, but uh, it's happening in other counties. Lakeport is one step ahead of us. They're, They're already in the environmental review. Their courthouse was, the need was found to be a little more severe than ours, and they've already have a site that's been through the um, the uh, review process and is now at the environmental stage. Getting back to the public input, um, are the meetings, the committee meetings, uh, open to the public? They're not open to the public, and now that we've determined the two primary sites, we don't have any other meetings scheduled right now until till further notice, essentially, till there's, in this case, it may be... Um, more till we get to the design phase if these two sites, one of these two sites works out. Will the public have input into the design? The public, again, will have input into the design probably more through the environmental review process would be the time and the CEQA process. But I think my experience, what I've heard about the experience in other communities is the architects, when they come in and start to design the courthouse, they hold community meetings to get community input on design and they kind of coordinate that part of it. Are there any questions I missed? Well, you, you mentioned about the old courthouse and what right. to do with that. Right. I was going to move there next. The old courthouse uh, will revert to the ownership by the county. So how what happens with the old courthouse is going to be up to the county. Well, in the uh, new courthouse, would there be space for the district attorney's office, county council, public defender? No, that's one thing to understand is the new courthouse is simply a court building. It's not for any of the other county agencies. And that's a result of the trial court funding act and the takeover of the trial courts by the state consolidated those operations under the state. And and this that's the good side is why we get a new courthouse because the state is building courthouses. But it's no longer a courthouse that houses other county functions. It's just the county. It's just the courthouse. So, the DA will not be in the courthouse. Some of the new courthouses apparently they provide 
a small amount of space just so that the uh, justice partners will have a, a place in the building. I mean, there's a big holding facility in Sallyport at the bottom of the courthouse and the new courthouses. And so that really improves the whole circulation. The sheriff drives the, pr- the prisoners into the building. They get out, they get right on an elevator and they go up to the courtrooms. There's holding facilities by the courtrooms. And there's also already designed in a fairly sizable holding facility in the, in the lower part of the courthouse. So that, that takes care of the prisoners. I noticed that when you mentioned the justice partners, you didn't mention the prisoners. I didn't, I, but the sheriff is a justice partner and his clients are the prisoners. <laughs> I guess I would describe it that way. But the uh, public defender, the probation, the district attorney, the county may choose to locate them in the old courthouse. The DA is already there. They've got the downstairs pretty much taken care of. And the, there would be room for the public defender and the probation department to move into the old courthouse in the accessible areas especially. But but how they use that old courthouse will be totally up to the county. And that would be determined by the Board of Supervisors at the time. I think that's right. Is there anything else that we should know about this issue? Not to my knowledge, Your, Your Honor. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about you. Uh, you've practiced law in Ukiah for uh, about 32 years prior to becoming a judge. That's correct. What would you like to do with the rest of your one precious life? I want to finish that. I'm about to start my another term as a judge, so I've got six years on that term starting in January. That'll take me up uh, about to my retirement age of 70. And uh, after that, I don't know. I, I expect I will probably retreat uh, back to my property in the country primarily and do whatever comes up around town. I don't really expect I'll continue judging beyond that point, but then who knows? I mean, I enjoy the job, but I would uh, look forward to some change also. I remember your property in the country back in the building code days. Um, you were involved representing people from Greenfield Ranch. Uh, you were an owner-builder. I was one of the first owner-builders to get actual permit, actually. I remember we discussed that. I was representing the people who chose not to get permits uh, because they were told they couldn't have one. And the building department was amazed to see somebody come in and actually try to get a regular permit. Let's talk about a eureka moment or um, an idea, something that you realized that sticks with you, that a philosophy that you live by. Well, I, um, I'm affected a lot by... Kind of Buddhist philosophies, I, I, I really think the present is the primary place to live and, and to be. I think that's where we achieve uh, most of our satisfaction. I try to stay as much as possible in that place, although it's a difficult thing to do. But when I, when I do get there and, and, and live there, I, I have those eureka moments often. I'm not sure if that connects to um, your work. But I'm interested in uh, your considerations about uh, the way in which disputes are resolved through our judicial system, whether they're a civil dispute or whether they're a criminal dispute. Um, Do you see any improvements on what could be done to uh, bring about a more fair or a more just resolution? I think we've made some improvements in family law and in um, the civil law where we have uh, a lot of mediation going on now. We have the Self-Help Legal Access Center that can help unrepresented people because so many of the people in the court system now are unrepresentative 
uh, unrepresented in the family law and the civil law areas, and also in the criminal law, obviously. We, um, we just, the issue is uh, overload, and we, like all the other justice partners, uh, have suffered cutbacks, and sta- we have staffing issues, and it's a very difficult to run a humane process with that sort of load coming through. But we, I think we all, all the partners do their best to do that. And it takes being conscious of what's going on with the people around you and the litigants and, um, and getting their feedback and trying to make adjustments. We, we try to meet with all the partners, the court and the justice partners meet monthly and, uh, everybody's kind of looking for ways to make things work better. And I think, I think we, we don't always succeed, but we, we do our best. I know from my experience, uh, being on the mediation panel, uh, I think that really makes a difference because people participate in the decision. Otherwise, a stranger, perhaps uh, you or another judge or a group uh, on a jury, decide what's going to happen to their future. Yeah, and we have small claims cases or people uh, with restraining order issues. They they come to court and they're directed to go to mediation first. Sometimes they go kind of kicking and screaming, but they come back with an agreement. And that's a lot better than letting a judge make the decision because the judge doesn't know everything about it. And also his decision or her decision isn't necessarily going to be something that the parties are going to be happy with, but if they can negotiate it themselves, they're likely to be at least satisfied with it. In addition to the small claims, your assignment this year is in the juvenile court. Correct. What does that cover? It's two primary areas. In my mornings, I primarily do dependency cases, which involve cases where the children are subject to uh, removal from their parents because of abuse or neglect issues. So they're involved with the CPS and the uh, social services, and they're taken from their parents or detained from their parents or at least being monitored by CPS, and then the cases proceed through the system. And the court kind of is in charge of keeping a, an overall eye on how those cases proceed and protecting the interests of the minors. And then in the afternoon we do the delinquency, which is the juvenile crimes, I guess you'd call them. They're not really considered crimes at the juvenile level, although a lot of them are pretty serious. But juveniles who have violated the law and are arrested and they're brought into the juvenile court and we handle them, uh, their cases in a little bit w- different way that, than we do in the adult court, but uh, but um, it, it's similar. The law is very similar to the adult criminal law. Well, Judge Dave Nelson, thanks for being with us on Radio Curious. And before we go, is there a book that you could recommend to our listeners? I just finished the Lacuna Kingsolver's new book, and it's a it's great. It's a novel. It's it got kind of mixed reviews, but I really thought it was a wonderful. It's a historical novel about uh, Diego Rivera, Frida Kahlo, and Trotsky, and told by a fictional character who interweaves his story as a kind of an aide-de-camp and typist and cook for those parties, and it's, it's a great book. Well, Dave Nelson, thanks for being with us on Radio Curious. Thank you, Barry. David Nelson is one of the several judges on the Mendocino County Superior Court. The book that he recommends is Lacuna by Barbara Kingsolver. David Nelson is one of the several judges on the Mendocino County Superior Court. The book that he recommends is Lacuna by Barbara Kingsolver. There are over 380 Radio Curious archive editions on our website at radiocurious.org. 
where all programs are free to download, copy, share, or rebroadcast as you wish. We'd like you to use the whole program and ask that you give credit to Radio Curious. You may also subscribe to our podcast and receive new programs as they are produced. Click the podcast link at radiocurious.org. Let us know if you need a CD. We can make one for you. The email is curious at radiocurious.org. Snail mail may be sent to Post Office Box 7, Ukiah, that's U-K-I-A-H, California, 95482. The phone is 707-462-6541. Christina Onestead is our associate producer. You've been listening to Radio Curious. I'm host and producer Barry Vogel. Thank you for joining us.